Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 68, Breaking Down Boundaries. Recorded Thursday, August 20th of 2015, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Kyle. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Kyle. And we've got Kyle Rudge from Geekdom House and a few other things here with us. Kyle, tell us why you're internet famous and why people need to know about you. <laughs> internet famous. Wow. <laughs> uh, this is what fame is, is when you, you get on the Saving the Game podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> it's worked every time I've pulled that line on others. <laughs> Absolutely. This is the Grant and Peter bump is what I'm about to experience, I'm sure. <laughs> All three of our listeners will be <laughs> tuning in to hear your voice. And my mom. Let's not forget her. Of course. Uh, four uh, of our four. listeners. There'll be a 25% increase in our listenership. Hello, That's Mrs. Right. You're very nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you said, my name is Kyle Rudge. Uh, for the last three years, my wife and I started a, a missions organization called Geekdom House. The easiest way to explain it to somebody who has no idea what geeks are is I just say it's kind of like treating like them like an unreached people group. It's a whole different culture that you don't understand. But um, I'm pretty sure everybody here does understand that. And so... Our focus, our primary focus is through the arts. We, we believe that uh, geek culture is all about the arts. We want to make an impact there, and that's kind of the cultural language and context from which it is. And our method uh, is love, serve, and share, and we do it in that order. And so kind of loving the culture. So that means getting involved in it. That means really appreciating it, finding the things that are truly beautiful inside of that culture, and then finding ways to selflessly serve within that culture. And so... There's tons of opportunities, right, from like taking registration at a con to sitting on a board to uh, finding new and unique ways to make an active arts contribution to the community. And then lastly, we, we love the opportunity to share about who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. And inevitably, if you do the first two, the third one always comes up. And so one of our primary initiatives... Uh, right now is creating something called Area of Effect. And it's kind of like an online slash print magazine where we take the geek things that we love and we allow them to be treated like modern day parables of highlighting what God is already doing in that community and trying to find where the God truths are in things like Firefly, science fiction, or even the game Diplomacy. Where is God in the midst of all of this? And then just allowing our faith to play with that and then writing about it. And so uh, we find artists from around the world and writers from around the world that contribute to the project, and we really want to make this as our, our new and unique and creative foot forward. So that's kind of what we do. It's pretty cool. How did you get started on this? <laughs> um, I, for me, I've always been missions-minded, and I kind of just fell into it. I mean, I've always been a bit of a gamer, especially in the video game side. I played some uh, online role-playing games, MUDs, text-based. Oh, you and I are going to have to talk me. about that then. Oh, my word. And I remember this was like years and years ago. Um, but my wife and I, we went to a convention for this one game in particular. And we met this one guy who had biked from like Vegas to Lexington, Kentucky on his bicycle. Whew. He owned a hammock and a bike. The guy was a hippie. And oh, the most kindest, gentlest person you'd ever meet. Well, Six months after the convention, uh, he, he passed away uh, rather rather suddenly, rather awfully. And the entire community, hundreds of people around the world, 
were really struggling. And the game creators knew that, you know, my wife and I were Christians and there were other Christians that played the game too, but for some reason they chose us and they said, because we could tell that we really cared and we'd be gentle with it. And they asked us to hold an online memorial service for him to help their community start to grieve because they didn't know how and because he was such a nice guy and they had so many questions. And so I held an online memorial service and it was like this message of hope and Fast forward seven years after that, I've got a a friend of mine who's a polygamist in the U.S. And he's like, hey, by the way, um, did you preach that message? Because I'm not ready to really become a Christian. But when when things are going rough, I really do think about that idea of hope. And I'm like, you know, then you got the gospel, my friend. And at this point, it's not up to me to convince you. I just love you. And I'll pray for you. And I'm here for you. And so ever since then, I realized I'm like, this is a community that I really do love. And that I love having an impact on, and it's just expanded. I'm I'm involved in cosplay community, retro video game community here, and board games. They just started growing like crazy, and I'm a big fan of the Battlestar Galactica board game. And so, <laughs> it just keeps growing and growing. And so, my wife and I were like, you know what? Let's take out a step out in faith. And you know, so I quit my full time job, went down to very very part time, and. We kind of got our finances in order and and we're making a real honest go of it. And it's been growing quite, quite handily for the last number of years. That's fantastic. (laughs) Very cool. We have church service starting next week. It's awesome. Perfect. (laughs) Wow. Um, I have seen a few articles from Geekdom House. Uh, I've liked almost everything I've read, which is pretty telling. You've got a lot of writers and a lot of artists. If somebody wanted to contribute, what's the process for that? You have, I I assume, certain standards of it because all the writing is very high quality. Yeah, we do have higher standards for our writing. And we wanted to, I mean, you know the idea of, if I were to say something like Christian art, it generally doesn't conjure something of excellence. No, it usually produces cringing at the phrase, actually. Yeah, like Christian is a terrible adjective. And uh, along the way, that's what we wanted to be like, okay, we don't want to be mediocre. We want to shoot for excellent. If we can tap into the greatest creative force of the entire universe, we should be able to create something that blows people away and really strives for excellence. And so what we do is we go out and we recruit writers. And so we look for people that are very talented, people that we found on blogs and various other and started to make connections and build community that way. Um, but we have had some people submit, and so we usually ask that they submit a sample of their writing so they kind of know what we're going for. And then if, even if they don't have any experience, we have an editor, her name is Allison, and she's really good at working with young writers and helping them along, but we can only take on a few each month. And so usually there's like one or two that we're like, okay, we'll accept and we'll work with you this month to try and get this article up to speed, help you write it, we'll edit it, we'll get you to rewrite, tell you what to fix, and and so it's about building that community, but maintaining the excellence. And so the easiest way is just to contact us on our website, geekdomhouse.com, and uh, start the process that way. Very cool. So I listened to a panel that you did with um, Derek White and uh, Chris from Zoe at Gen Con. Yep. And you mentioned on that, and by the way, listeners, if you haven't listened to that, Mike Perna from Game Store Profits put that up. Um, it's very, very good. It's like an hour and a half long. I actually managed to listen to it twice while I was at work today. I liked it so much. So definitely go check that out. I'll link it in the show notes. But you mentioned something about how a lot of these geeky properties are interesting touchstones for existential issues and philosophical mm. issues and that sort of thing. And I'd kind of like to hear two things from you about that since we've got you here and you're kind of a captive audience on our mic. First of all, 
what do you think makes a lot of the kind of more uh, what Ken and Robin would refer to as nerd tropey stuff particularly good for exploring those issues? And second, is there one particular property that you find is especially good for exploring themes of existence and faith and that sort of thing? <laughs> okay, here's like the biggest questions in the world, and I'm just going to throw them at you and expect easy answers. Uh, um... <laughs> no, I'm expecting fascinating <laughs> answers, not easy ones. Uh, okay, so two questions. Okay, so the first one, what is it about the the geek culture that really incorporates that? And I, I'd probably have to say art. I, I always kind of uh, hark back to essentially Genesis 1-1. I mean, if we only had that first verse of the Bible, we would know one thing about God and that God is a creative God. God created, first verb of the Bible. And I just feel like there's something about this creativity. And so we, we operate at Geekdom House on this premise that God created everybody, that that fingerprint of who everybody is is inherent on each of us. Like that, that fingerprint of God is on our heart. And we can live our lives by denying that, by hiding that, by masking that, uh, or by embracing that, by shining on that. But along the way, no matter what we do, whatever creative work that we make, God's fingerprint is still inherent deeply within that, whether we like it or not. And, and I often think like there's so many stories in the Bible where God uses just crazy things uh, to get the attention of his people. I mean, Balaam's donkey is a prime example, right? He's talking donkey is going to use to be like, okay, seriously, Balaam, smarten up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking donkey, burning bush, I mean, all kinds of interesting stuff. Exactly. And and so I think that uh, inherent within us, even in our the creative works that we make, God is still trying to get his message out there by any means possible. And so what is it about um, the geek culture that really lends itself well to philosophical, existential, spiritual types of discussions is that I think it is that heart of creativity, because as geeks, creativity is so important to us. I mean, you look on DeviantArt and it's everywhere. You look on fan fiction sites, it is everywhere. You look at the board game, big boom that is happening right now and the creativity that you find within like different play styles and gaming styles. There's so much there. And I think wherever you find creativity, you find a spiritual discussion. Whether you want to or not, it's there. And so what was your second question? My second question was, uh, <laughs> if you had to pick one favorite kind of geeky property that's especially good for, I guess, leading off into that kind of topic okay. with people, what would you pick? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, one of the things that we did, I'll tell a quick story. One of the things that we did, uh, I wanted to start a small group. And because my wife and I, we would have these incredible discussions after we'd watch an episode of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Star Trek. And our conversations inevitably would start about our faith. And, and so we decided to start the small group and I wanted to study like treating these TV shows as a modern day parable and then using the Bible to highlight truth in them. And so we started working through that. And so we started a small group and I wanted it to be Battlestar Galactica. And the reason why was purely because if I wrote a book, I could call it the BSG BSG. So the Battlestar Galactica Bible study guide. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid reason. <laughs> Uh, but I got outvoted in the group, and so I wrote a Bible study based off of the 13 episodes of Firefly. And for some reason, even though Joss is an atheist, he's a humanist and self-proclaimed, for some reason there's something, he's able to highlight certain truths that I think really shine, and I'm shocked that he doesn't know intimately who God is by some of the things that he writes. Like if you look at the character of, of Shepherd Book, it is absolutely phenomenal with how he carries himself as a Christian walking through a very, very difficult time. And 
even in each one of those shows, you'll find there's like this show is about loyalty. This show is about mercy. This show is about truth. And it's so subtle. But the moment that you kind of click into that and start thinking, oh, my goodness, you start seeing these connections of like, how did I not see this before? And when we got together as a small group, I think all of us kind of thought Firefly overall was the best. But if I were to pick just one absolute one, it would be the Doctor Who Van Gogh episode with Matt Smith as the Doctor. The reason why, I don't know if you've seen the episode, but this is they go back in time. They visit Van Gogh, who was a very depressed man. Uh, The subtext to that, of course, was he was thrown out of the church because he wanted to live a more impoverished lifestyle and wanted to keep giving to the poor. And so he leaves the church. He, he's painting all these things. He's, he's hated in his time. He's considered worthless and unworthy. And he struggles with this demon. And that's why the doctor goes back. He sees this, this alien in one of his pictures that they've got to go back and kill. And they go back in time. They meet him. And in the midst of it, they realize that they can't see it. Only Van Gogh can see this monster. And there's a scene where the monster comes to invade Van Gogh's home and Van Gogh is trying to fight this thing off. And the doctor picks up this, this rake, this pitchfork, and he starts swinging wildly and he's nowhere near the monster because he can't see it, but he's just swinging wildly. You know, you think back on that episode, really that monster, that demon inside of Van Gogh, that's something that we all kind of struggle with. And what is it inside of me? And it's not our job. It's not our job as Christians to be able to identify. It's not our job to necessarily even be able to see it. It's our job to come alongside the people that are struggling and swing wildly at the monsters in other people's lives to help. Like that beauty of community. And so for some reason, that episode really, really speaks to me in geek culture. It's a good answer. Also, (laughs) now you're making me feel like I really should find time to get into Doctor Who, which is something I've managed to avoid up until this point. Honestly, just watch the one episode. It huh? is it is phenomenal, and you can watch it as a standalone. It is a standalone, so. Cool. Good. I will keep up my uh, habit of only watching standalone Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> and the very first Doctor Who episode ever, or series ever released, the one where they go back to, like, the Aztecs. Oh. See, I'm not, yeah. I, I haven't seen all of the Doctor Who. That would be my wife. She's the, the she's the Whovian, and she's like, I you need to see this. I some classic Doctor Who on Netflix, so. <laughs> oh, Netflix. The savior of many a new father. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I remember a few Netflix stories when uh, your daughter was a couple years younger. Yeah, no question there. Okay, so we've got a fair bit that we want to get to with Kyle, because we actually have a topic uh, that isn't just listening to Kyle talk about awesome things. It's listening to Kyle talk about awesome specific things. But I have two things I want to go over real quick. First, uh, Mike Perna, another friend of the show. Mm-hmm. He and I have kicked off a little side podcast project that's going to be released through Inroads Ministries. Uh, you can hear it at inroadsministries.com. That's I-N-N, Roads Ministries. We're syndicated through there. There's a link on our website, stgcast.org. And this is probably a monthly podcast of just writer ideas. We're calling it the MacGuffin Factory. And the idea is we just kind of take a MacGuffin and start brainstorming based off of it. Maybe a specific MacGuffin, maybe a general category of MacGuffins. It's just kind of a, a creative process designed to kick off ideas and get them into your head so that, you know, regardless of what kind of storytelling you're doing, whether it's role-playing games or writing or radio drama, whatever it is, you've got something that maybe makes you go, oh, hey, that's a cool idea. 
and we're not laying claim to any of those idea if ideas. If you, you know, win an Emmy off it, awesome, we've done our job. Listen to that. The first one should be out, so uh, look for it there, and it'll probably be in our social media feeds as well. Uh, second thing, real quick, we are trying to set up a Hearthstone tournament for listeners. It's going to be a friendly little thing, you know, no prize money or anything, but just a, an excuse for the community to do something together. Uh, one of our listeners, Justin, suggested this, and it's a good idea because we've kind of been talking about collectible card games lately. If you're interested in that, leave a comment in the episode or message us on Facebook, tweet us, something like that, and uh, we'll include you in it. We're going to probably start it soon after this episode drops. So there we go. Now, I've never played Hearthstone, so would there be like a like a newbie league <laughs> the, the the newbie scrub um incompetent league you'll be in there with me because okay good at the very least i think we would uh try and seed it somewhat you know because i've yeah. been playing off and on you know i have some decks that are okay like okay. basically kyle do you know magic good. the gathering at all Oh, I I know what Hearthstone is. I just no, um, no 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 no. I mean, do would you know what I meant if I said that Grant is like a vintage player that's coming to shark a bunch of people who just opened their first booster pack? Yes, that I know not, exactly what you mean. <laughs> that is not true at all. That is not true at all. I my the best rank I've ever hit is fifteen, and that's not good. So there you go. Um, but for people who have not played much or at all, yeah, I think we definitely. Would probably just seed it by rank or something like that, just so that everybody ha- has a chance to have fun and you know play with people. Who, if somebody's been playing constantly, they are going to have better cards. That's just how Hearthstone works, and that's no fun. Yeah, you, you don't want to lose just because somebody has you know, like in Civilization when you've got the uh, mechanized infantry and the other people are still on spearmen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We want to avoid that phenomenon. Yeah. And better cards. I mean, it's not like you buy power necessarily in Hearthstone, but as you get more cards, you can build tighter and more effective decks, just like every collectible card game. So, you know, it just kind of naturally lends itself to doing better. At any rate, uh, let's go ahead and read our scripture and then let's get into our main topic, shall we? Yeah, sounds like a good Kyle, idea. did you want to take that first Corinthians one? Yeah, absolutely. I could. All right, cool. Let me start off with Ezekiel. And then we'll do yours. Sounds good. All right, so this is Ezekiel eleven nineteen to 20. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. And 1 Corinthians nine nineteen to 23. Though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. And the last one we have here is 1 Thessalonians 4, 9-12. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, 
and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and that so you will not be dependent on anybody. We wanted to talk about something interesting that Kyle and his geek kind of small group, as it were, is getting involved in. Specifically, Kyle, as I understand it, most of your group has not played role-playing games before, at least not till very recently. No, I would say uh, a majority, uh, at least not tabletop role-playing games. There's been a couple that would do like, you know, like a Final Fantasy on a video game sure. style, but they've never done the tabletop. Um, and there's ones that have never played role-playing games before. And so, yeah, we're kind of all over the map on experience level in our in our rather big, small group. Right. And tell us kind of how you guys have gotten into that. Well, it began uh, when we were the small group and we had said, like, right, the idea of love, serve, and share. And so um, when we do our Bible studies and our fellowship, uh, we always wanted to serve and we wanted to find ways to serve. And we had this one, what we thought was a brilliant idea and about a year ago. And we, we decided to go down on a Dungeons and Dragons encounter night to a local game store. And we brought, you know, Cheetos and Dr. Pepper. And we were going to bless the people and the gamers that were playing. And really, they could care less. And, <laughs> and we were a little shocked by that. And we didn't quite know how to respond. And in debriefing, we realized it was like, you know what? This would have been a better experience, I think if we had been playing with them. And that brought up a great discussion of like, well, then what do we do about this? How do we incorporate and how do we learn more about this? And so we decided as a small group over the summer, let's let's hire a couple of dungeon masters. Um, they don't need to know who God is and they can come to our small group and we'll feed them. We'll have potluck before every session and then, and, and then they would run a campaign for us. And so... Uh, we started a couple of weeks ago, and they helped us all through character creation, and we went through all of that. And then last week, we had our first adventure, and we have another one on Saturday. And I've so far, all the texts I've been getting from everybody is like, I can't wait till Saturday. This is going to be so exciting. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right, so the obligatory question is, what version are you playing? Is it okay. d Encounters? Is it, you know, a homebrew campaign? Tell us tell us about the game. Okay, so we're playing a 5th edition campaign. Um, okay, good. And we've split into two parties, and so we have two Dungeon Masters, and I think the final session they're going to bring everybody together, and we don't know what's going to happen as of yet. Uh, and the adventure they're running, they've completely custom writ specifically for us. Ooh. And, yeah, and so... I am uh, jealous already. I know, and, and it's been interesting because, should I tell you about the first adventure? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's not turn it into a huge gaming story episode, but we definitely want to know some details just okay. to kind of hear how things go. And specifically, what I'm kind of aiming at is how new players who are geeks, but not necessarily role players yet, interact with it. And I'm really curious about how the GMs handle this when they're kind of brought into GM for a cohesive group who all want to learn how to do role-playing games well the first thing they did for the first day of campaign they kind of wrote an adventure where we would have one combat scenario and one puzzle scenario and they left a lot of things open allowing us they really wanted to push us to role play they gave us a lot of opportunity to distinguish between in character knowledge and out of character knowledge and see how we would respond to that and guide us through that okay um, they've been incredibly uh, excited and supportive I think one of the most exciting things that we saw through this, we had this one fella, uh, Mike. He he had never played a tabletop role-playing game before. Huge board game guy. Had always wanted to try it. 
And so he built our Dwarven Ranger. And so here he is. He's We're in the puzzle room, and he goes into the room, and there's this giant wooden door, and and the door says hello to him. So he responds with hello. And, and over the door is written in Dwarvish. It says laughter. And so he kind of looks back at the rest of us, and I'm like, I don't know, tell a joke? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're all waiting. He's like, hang on. I'm thinking of one. And I'm and the, there was somebody else in the group that was like, just tell a knock-knock joke. It's a door. It makes sense. And he's like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, I got it. And he goes, so the dwarf walks up to the door and he says, where do you put the boat? I don't know. Dwarf. Dwarf. <laughs> 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 And I think our DMs kind of like peed themselves at that point. And so, <laughs> and so it's been really neat to see how um, there's just been this embracing of like, no, I'm going to creatively think within this world and like, what would this legitimately do and say and behave? And so that's been an interesting experience. Um, nice. Yeah. And and it was fun. And um, we almost only one person almost died in the first session. So that's pretty good. Always good to avoid the player death in the first session when it's new players. Yes. I mean, you, you want to know, you want people to know, hey, it can happen, but you don't want to just say, oh, too bad. Yeah, the almost is the important part there. Yeah, that's good. It sounds like you guys are having a, just a blast with it. So far, it seems to be that way. People are pretty excited. And um, I mean, we did run into, it was interesting when we first came in because they didn't know, you know, what kind of skill level we were at. They knew one person mm-hmm. had played before and been in campaigns and a few of us were familiar with the world. And then there was ones that just had absolutely no idea. And because they were a, a couple, like they came in and they would split up and they would help each person and they, they bounced around. That was really good. And we had one experience where one of the people in the small group, she really wanted to be a healer. Um, she loved that idea of, of supporting each people and not being violent and, and more being mm-hmm. a support thing. But then found out that it was like, okay, no, hang on. Um, I don't want to worship a different God. I don't feel comfortable with that. And so that spurred this big conversation of like, okay, well, you know, what does that mean then? And why is this so important to you? And, and it was something that the, that the Dungeons matches didn't quite understand. And so we ended up having a a small little discussion. of like, okay, well, you know, that's okay. Like you don't have to, and nobody's forcing you to. And, and so we talked about it and found out that she actually really wanted to play a barbarian where she didn't have to worry about magic or gods and just beat things up. And we're like, okay, well, then we found something for you. <laughs> you know, that might be some of the same logic my wife uses. So, <laughs> Oh, his wife plays wrecking machines in at least every game that I've ever been in with her, which is, I think, three at this point. I think three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. She's trying to play a more social, less... I'm just going to punch things until the problem is solved character in the upcoming Unknown Armies game. But I have my doubts on how long that's going to last. (laughs) Well, I'm also a little disappointed, frankly, because she does good at playing those wrecking machine characters. (laughs) Sure. But I'm I'm also a little proud of her for branching out. For for sure. Branching out and getting out of your comfort zone is good. I'm lousy at it. So I admire her for even making the effort. But yeah. Well, cool. So this is obviously part of a specific small group that you guys have. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about the small group in particular, in part because my church doesn't have anything like a small group. The okay. closest thing we have is a men's group that meets occasionally. So tell me a little bit about that and specifically how the geek small group kind of got started. Well, what it was was that uh, we belong to a church that's about um, 1,200 people and in Canada. Ah. That's a big church. 
Uh, <laughs> it's a big church, most places. Okay. Yeah. It's a couple times <laughs> the size of mine. So, and uh, well, my wife and I have been there for for a long time, about ten years. We've seen it grow from two hundred to twelve hundred people, and and along the way, we joined a small group that we absolutely loved. Um, these people are hugely influential in our lives. We we loved all every aspect of it, except. As we started to get like into our 10th year of being in that group, we realized that there were a few things that we didn't like. And one of them was service. Like we really wanted to find places to serve and to tangibly make a difference as opposed to just learning how and doing it together amongst others um, that you know and you trust and you can talk with about afterward. And, and so we knew it was time for us to leave. And that's where this idea of like the geek thing maybe kind of spawning through. Mm-hmm. Well, in our church, and I think in most churches, they tend to differentiate when it comes to their ministries based on three categories. It would be age, gender, and marital status. So you'll have a singles group, or you'll have a youth group, or you'll have a men's group, or a women's group. And so it was weird when we first approached the church because they're like, well, which category do you fall in? And it's like, we don't fall in any. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is an interest-based group. Yeah, we're we're not we're like we're we're co-ed. Uh, we're singles and marriage. Uh, we are young. We've had as young as twenty. We've had as old as sixty, and so we span that gap. So there's no real way to qualify us. And so it was funny because you'd walk into the the small group pastors board, uh, and basically the the reason why they do this is to try and create that small intimate community amidst amidst a big church. And he's got all these like categories, and then off in the corner, there's the nerd and geeks, and it's like Kyle Rudge and Marilyn Rudge group right there. <laughs> <laughs> I loved going into that room and seeing that, but uh, that was kind of how it all began. And what Good. what we did was we we also kind of realized that you know maybe we're a minority inside the church, and that's probably why we are so overlooked in, in many ways, and so. We recruited a couple of other couples from a few different churches in the city, and we've committed to meeting every single week. Every Tuesday night, we get together, and we have a little pattern with that. We do a Bible study one week, and then we just have social night, which usually involves watching lip sync YouTube stuff. And then we have another Bible study, and we do a service experience. And that's kind of what we do. And we have a very open door policy in that somebody can can come and say, hey, I'm interested in joining. Uh, and what we do is we give it a little bit of a trial run because we, within the small group atmosphere, we wanted to ensure that people felt comfortable and w- always willing to be vulnerable. And so if they mm-hmm. ever felt threatened, we, we wanted to make sure that that wasn't part of the group. And we've gone through experiences like that. But we've had such an influx of people asking and saying, hey, can I join? Can I join? Our house is only so big. And so we talked to a local used bookstore slash cafe slash Christian mission here in the city and said, would you be willing to host us as like, we want to have like a large group session. That's kind of like our small group to incorporate all these people. And they just love the idea. And so starting next week, that's what we're doing. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. The reason I ask about it, about the structure of it, it sounds like you've got a lot of people who all have their own interests. Yep. I mean, we've established that a few of these people have never touched role-playing games, but there's kind of a, a sort of super culture, if you will. We're all kind of members of a subculture of geeks, and we've all got our own individual subcultures, you know, Doctor Who fans and comics fans and role-playing game fans and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, first of all, they're all kind of unified as Christians. Yep. Right? But you're all kind of cross-pollinating in some ways. Oh, totally. Um, one of the things, like when we did the service thing... Um, some other places that my wife and I were a part of, 
we'd always have these like grandiose ideas like, well, we could go to this soup kitchen or we could go and serve at, you know, this, you know, thrift store or we could serve here or we could do this. And there was all brilliant ideas. But what would happen is like, well, we can't really somebody would be at the naysayer and be like, well, you know, that one presents a problem because I can't really go there or that one I can't really do or this one. Uh. And so we would ever end up doing anything. And so mm-hmm. right from the beginning, when we started the small group, uh, the the mandated rule was uh, when we have a service night, you'll be told in advance, we'll pick one person from the group and it's your job to come up with the service night idea. It's everybody else's job to essentially say yes and. And so no matter, even if you think it's a terrible idea, then you need to figure out how to make it a little bit better. But we're not allowed to poo-poo any ideas just because... It's stepping out of all of our comfort zones, and when it's your turn to come up with an idea, you're going to want the support of everybody else. And so we write that right into our, like, before you even come to the first, you know, small group session, that's right in our mandate of, like, you know, you're going to support each other through this, and we're going to figure it out along the way because there's no handbook for what we're trying to do. You know, that that's actually connects to something else I wanted to talk about. Because to pull this back around to role-playing games a little bit, you've got a group of people who have just started playing games. Yep. And, you know, we've already established you had at least one char- one person who kind of had a character idea and then they realized they weren't comfortable with it. And certainly it's very possible to be uncomfortable with a few things in role-playing games if you're not aware of them ahead of time. And certainly a lot of people are uncomfortable with actual service ministries. You know, it's easy to go to church every Sunday and just kind of leave it at that. So when you have people come into this small group both for the geek aspects of it and for all the other aspects, gatekeeping seems like potentially a big problem. You know, oh, you're not interested in my things, or oh, you know, I know more about this than you do, or oh, well, just because you're not interested in doing this service thing doesn't really matter. How do you avoid that? Mm. (laughs) Uh, Well, we have had situations where, you know, somebody was, you know, they came, they liked the things that they liked, and they were conveniently sick during times when, you know, other people's ideas were being said, or they're like, oh, I had something else come up, I couldn't make it. And and so we're just very upfront with what the expectations are. We make sure that they're very clear, we revisit them regularly, like, this is who we are. This is our goal, what we strive for. We don't expect anybody to be perfect at it, just so long as you can see when you're trying. And so, for instance, like one of the things we do is at our Comic-Con, we form a choir and we go and sing nerd and geek songs. And and there's somebody that's not comfortable with singing. And so it's like, okay, but what can you do to help? Is there anything that you can do? And so they'll bring some of the props and they'll be the prop carrier. And so at least you're you're, you're trying and you're you're moving towards something that is out of your comfort zone. and, And that's recognized. But when they start to, you know, not live up to those expectations on a consistent level and start skirting them. As a leader, I've, I've met with them and said, you know, these were our expectations that we agreed to. How should we reconcile this? Um, what's going on? And, and in, the, in the one case where we have had that happen, um, they just decided to say, you know what? I don't think this is the group for me. And we said, okay, but you're welcome back anytime when you feel like it is. When you feel like you want to get back on board, we're here for you. And we check in once in a while with that person. And, and yeah, so that's that's... It's a hard one, but I think if you have clear expectations right up front, at least you have something to fall back on to say, you know, are are you striving for this? Are you still on board? What's going on? And you have a basis from which to have that conversation to begin with. All right. You mentioned taking a choir to (laughs) Comic-Con. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Okay. 
I don't really want to just kind of leave that out there like, hey, so there was a choir at Comic-Con. Let's go into some more detail on that. Come on. <laughs> um, well, with the idea of service, we were like, well, what can we do that is artistic, that is new, that is unique, that we could bring to this giant Comic-Con for people? What can we do that is um, that would make an impact? And so somewhere along the line, my wife suggested that we, we form a choir. And it was based off of, uh, we went and saw a pre-screening of the movie Serenity uh, way back when, when it first came out. And while we were there, it was just mm-hmm. my wife and I uh, together. And there was pockets of people before the show even started. And you could see they're kind of all talking to one another and, you know, goofing off and so on and so forth. And, and then there's just my wife and I, and we were kind of feeling alone and mixed all these crowds and fans. And so my wife and I, for some reason, I don't know why we did, but we started singing uh, The Hero of Canton. You know, Jane, the man they called Jane. And... We started singing it, and it was like a pin could be dropped, and you could hear it in the theater other than us singing. And then they just erupted together into song, and we sang this entire song. And staff from the theater would come out, and they're like, "Like, why is this so loud? Like, we don't even have, like, it's so early. There's not even preview stuff going on. <laughs> and, <laughs> what is up with and, these crazy Firefly fans? Exactly. And so after that, though, after the song was over... All of the barriers broke down. So all these little pockets of groups, you couldn't tell where the pockets began and ended. There was people sharing popcorn with one another up and down rows. There was uh, people would stand up, turn around and ask a trivia question and someone would answer it and they'd throw like an M&M or something at them. And it was such a weird experience that suddenly just this one song broke down every single barrier that existed there and we became one giant community. And so we're like, why don't we try this at Comic-Con? We have no idea how it's going to work. Okay, let's do it. And so... We prepared a list of 29 different songs. We rehearsed for three months before Comic-Con, and we hired a choir director, and uh, we had a, a nice little church in, in southern Manitoba donate some choir robes, and we went, and we didn't know what to expect. The first hour that we were there, we customized our songs to basically what we would see at Comic-Con. So we knew that we had all the dwarves from The Hobbit there, so we had That's What Bilbo Baggins Hates. We had a red edition of that one of the voices of Sailor Moon was going to be there. So we had the Sailor Moon theme song. And, and of course we sang Blue Suede's Hooked on a Feeling because Guardians of the Galaxy was so big then. We just went around and we sang. And the celebrities that we that saw us doing this, like they started getting up and singing and dancing with us and wanting us to do it again. And and then we uh, at, we came back. We got invited to like open up a, a Q&A panel for the Sailor Moon people. And <laughs> That's fantastic. And then, and then people started stopping us and they're like, you know, why are you doing this? And we're like, actually, we're a, we're a small group of Christians that just wanted to come and bless you guys with, uh, with some songs that we love and we figured you guys would love too. And it was like we hit them with a two by four. Like their jaw just hit the ground. Like <laughs> they were not expecting that as an answer. And then they're like, well, I'm not a Christian, but I really like music. Could I join you guys next year? <laughs> Like, absolutely, you can. <laughs> and we started. Yes, yes, you may. And we we started we started taking requests. Like, people would ask if we have requests. We had a list of songs. Like, okay, which one do you want to hear? And they were like, I want to hear this one. Like, okay, well, then you have to come and sing it with us. And so we'd bring them up with us and throw a quick little robe on them. And they're like, but I can't sing. And then I'd whisper, neither can I. <laughs> you know, um, just a quick aside there. I was involved in what was called a non-traditional men's choir at my church for a little bit. And the woman who was directing this 
she'd get protestations from a lot of us that are like, look, I can't sing. I have no musical talent. And that is especially true in my case. There's, <laughs> you know, there's various inanimate objects within arm's reach of me that probably have far more musical talent than I do. But the thing that she said that that really kind of resonated with me is 30 guys who can't sing sound almost as good as 30 guys who can. As long as you guys keep up with each other and sing in unison, the fact that none of you individually sound all that great doesn't matter. That's the yeah. whole point of a choir. Yeah. So that was our Comic-Con experience. It was super successful, and we just started rehearsals for our next one. And so it doubled in size from last year, so we're really excited about that. We're adding instruments, and we've started to do mashup compilations. I'm like, wow. <laughs> This is beyond my musical ability. I'm just long for the ride now. <laughs> awesome. And just to be clear, which Comic-Con is that? Because there's there many. There are many. Uh, we do the one here in Winnipeg. It's the Central Canada Comic-Con. So C4 is what they call it for short. It's about uh, about thirty to 40,000 people show up each year. Okay, good. We've got a few Canadian listeners and you know those in Canada and northern U.S. in particular may find that worth going to because there's going to be an awesome choir i hear <laughs> well those in the northern u.s especially because our dollar is terrible so you could buy some amazing things <laughs> well, okay take Fair advantage enough. of that exchange rate people <laughs> yeah. i learned this when i went to gen con and spent way too much money i, I think that's just a gen yeah, i was gonna con say thing. isn't I... that required at gen con you go to gen con you spend way too much money the end <laughs> well, no, but see, you, you, I went to Gen Con, I spent way too much money, and then I came home and saw like all the exchange rate on my credit card and realized I spent way too much money. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. It doesn't help that we call it dollars, you know, both, <laughs> both sides of the border. The exchange rate's a little, you know, it's not great these days for Canadians, unfortunately. And so it's just like, oh, that's, uh, that's not the dollars I thought I spent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So take advantage of us Canadians and come to C4. There you go. And take advantage of an awesome yeah, choir. Right. So Absolutely. there we are. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was a tangent, but it was a really awesome tangent, so I don't regret it in the slightest. Um, actually, it's not quite a tangent, though, is it? Because one of the things that I think we've kind of alluded to here and there, and specifically regarding the, this choir, is hooking in people just by talking about their interests, their specific interests. Things like Firefly, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Sailor Moon, things like that, where, you know, if somebody is a big fan of something, that's a good way. It's it's a common ground, mm -hmm. right? And that works for role-playing games. Peter and I, I know have talked before about introductions to role-playing games saying, okay, what are you interested in? Let's run a game like that or about that or involving that. You know, if if somebody's a big comic book fan, maybe the first game shouldn't be D&D. &D, maybe it should be a superhero game mm -hmm. of some DC sort. DC deck building, you know, something like that. Yeah, anything along Definitely those lines. Definitely not Hero System, um, though. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> not for a first game. I would game. say Heroes... It depends on the player. Okay, if it the player the has player. an engineering degree, I take it back, but... <laughs> Fair enough. I, some of my friends are running a, a Hero game right now, and they're having a lot of fun with it, but that's because they are the kind of people who enjoy lots and lots of numbers. So hey, you know, my, my native system are. is GURP, so it's all in fun. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, why are you even saying this? Come on. Because yeah. I have a sense of humor? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I started with D&D 3.5 and Shadowrun, so I'm not in any better boat than <laughs> let, you Let are. him who is without um, crunch cast the first die. Uh, well, yeah, except for Shadowrun, it's like two handfuls of dice, so yeah. yeah Shadowrun, anyway. the only game where actually being buried under dice is a legitimate safety concern at the table. 
seriously. <laughs> um, but it, it sounds like you're kind of doing the same sort of thing with this choir and to a degree with the small group is saying, what are you interested in? Let's use that to start a conversation, right? Like, you know, somebody comes up and wants a song from Firefly and that's a good way to say, okay, cool. Why do you want that? You know, let's have a conversation about it. Like you said, why are you doing this? Well, you know, just to, to connect to people, talk to people as a gift to people. There's a lot of value in that. And I think sometimes because we are geeks and we have our own passionate interests, sometimes it is very easy to discount other people's passions. Yeah. I think it's a common problem. And I, certainly I have done it a lot. Well, when we when we started with the, the ministry and, and trying to figure out like in any sort of missions organization, right, you're going to go if you're going to go to, you know, Ghana, you're going to look, well, what are the needs of the community? You know, and it might be clean mm-hmm. water. It, it might be education. It, it, those things are really, really tangible. And so we go to the geek community and what are the needs of the geek community? Something very different. And one of the things we learned was one of the needs the geek community has is to share their passion. They long to, I mean, waiting for someone to say, why do you love this? So that they can just go off like, you know, what the three of us have for like the last, I don't know how long, but they absolutely love that. That whole idea of how do somebody is willing to listen to my passion and it's like, okay, so that's, that's step one. We get to ask them about the things that they love and that's something that they actually need. Have you found that, um, that just general connection is another need there too because i know some of this may be projection you know from various times in my life but a lot of geeks are a little bit on the lonely side sometimes and being able to form a good solid community can can be something that a lot of um geekier folks at least here in the states that i've met and have like i said have been in myself in the past kind of want but don't know how to do I think I would argue that uh, I probably proportionally that would be certainly true. Like there are a number of geeks that have found community around their passion, like all those clubs that have formed and all the rest. And like I think of our cosplay community here and the amount that like they find so much passion and joy by, you know, going to the Children's Hospital dressed as superheroes and encouraging the sick kids. And and I watch how they light up when they do that. And, and I see I see that there is this desire for community within the geek culture. And, and in many ways, I do see it existing. And there's times where, um, oh, there's a great documentary uh, called Done the Impossible. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, so you could probably catch it. And it talks about Firefly fans. And my wife and I, we were watching this documentary because that's what we do on date night because we are nerds. And, <laughs> and uh, we were watching this and there's one part where they talk about community and they talk about this girl was uh, talking about the bulletin boards that she was on and that she's meeting all these people and she calls them by their bulletin board name, right? And that's just easier to understand each other and how she's coming from Australia, but she's traveling across the U.S., staying at various people on the forum's houses that she's never met before. And we rewound that part and we stopped it and I said, you know, I think we could replace some of these words with Christianity and church and we might get a picture of Acts 2. And we did, and it was incredible. And we started reflecting on some of our uh, on some of our experiences. And a lot of the marginalized communities, whether you be in the theater community as much this way, or even a hip-hop community, or a poet community, but even the geek community, because they're so marginalized, they're forced closer together, and they're far more willing and instantly to trust, to support, to be 
essentially to be an Acts 2 community almost instantly. And I think that's what's really drawn us mm-hmm. to it. And now we're just like, I don't even have to like preach God. I just have to shine a light and say, by the way, do you know who kind of really said this was a good thing? <laughs> Grant and I have noticed a little bit of that in the Booter community. We've referenced that a couple of times. Yeah. In the what community? Uh, the the Booter community. Uh, Fear the Boot, which is a role-playing game podcast, one of the oldest RPG podcasts still going. <laughs> uh, it's almost 10 years old at this point. Do you know Do you know that in Canada, a booter is when you, like, you get water in your rubber boot? <laughs> no. The fact that there's a Canadian term for the, you know, that uses the same word is... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's rate, my it, confusion. It's, it's one of the it's one of the oldest yeah. and longest running uh, RPG podcast communities. They do a, <laughs> a convention uh, down in St. Louis where the hosts live every year, and Grant and I actually know each yeah. other through that community. Oh, that's actually how we got yep. started, and it's still very much a like if I'm talking to my wife about people, I'm using forum names, not actual Absolutely. names, because the forum names are more meaningful. You and I uh, were talking about MUDs, yeah. right? Text-based stuff. Same kind of thing when I was playing a lot of MUDs. Too much. I knew those people much more by handles and character names than by any real-life name. You know, you see the same sort of thing. Uh, what was that series about uh, that Felicia Day did about World of Warcraft? The Guild. The Guild, yeah. Same kind of concept, right? Here are people who have all found a community... And they're all, you know, these weird, slightly broken people in their own way because it's a comedy and you have to have that kind of, you know, we're broken, mm-hmm. but we're all in it together kind of take on it. It reflected that same sort of geek community where, you know, personality and chosen names on the Internet really are what drive it, not who we are when it's our day job. Can I ask like a really existential question? Sure. Sure. All right, so we have these alternate identities that we'll play in role-playing games, and we've all had them and we've in whatever format that we've done. Do you find that you have more influence over your character and changing how he behaves, or does your character also have influence over how you behave? Well, so fun fact, one of the reasons I started saving the game was that I was not a particularly good Christian, pretty much just a Christian in name, and... Like, I'd kind of hit a point where I'd realized I needed to get my relationship with God back in order. And I did two things at that time. First, I started saving the game with Peter uh, and with Brandon as well shortly after. Uh, He's no longer on the show, obviously. And the other thing I did is I got into a mage game and played a priest. (laughs) And that sounds silly, but it specifically got me reading the Bible again. It got me thinking about God and faith And just making myself think about those things turned out to be very important. I'm not going to say that the character was an alternate person who affected me, but because I created a project to work on, just thinking about it and getting involved in that had some indirect influence on my life. And that's pretty important. I'm not like a writer who feels like the characters are telling the author, what to do and where they're going. Uh, I've played characters who sometimes do that, but it never goes back into real life. But certainly, you're never going to fully escape what you spend time doing. Mm-hmm. In my case, I um, my characters tend to be very autobiographical. 
I tend to play characters with a lot of similar personality traits, values, sometimes even physical features. You tend to play characters who go out and get jobs. Yes. <laughs> host a podcast. <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't had a character that hosted a podcast yet, but... <laughs> get married, live in yeah. Illinois. You're so meta. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do tend to play... Well, I, I wish I could remember how you described it the last time I, I posed the question, but it's like they tend to be kind of straight-laced, whatever that means for the particular setting paradigm. They tend to be kind of pro-society. They generally ha tend to have kind of a, a sense of justice and want to be on the right side of that. Yeah, you're never playing a bad guy. He plays the paladin, doesn't he? Well, I... Uh, <laughs> we created a whole setting of paladins. <laughs> I, uh... I, He's one I of those. I have had people point at my real-life personality as what lawful good looks like before. <laughs> I remember sitting at a and d table and... Somebody was going to just kind of observe our game, another friend who hadn't really done any gaming. And, you know, he was like, well, I, you know, I hear you mentioning like all of these terms like, you know, lawful good, chaotic good, that sort of thing. What does, you know, what does that exactly mean? And they, they started on the chaos side and started explaining. He's like, OK, what, what is lawful good? And three people just turned around and pointed at me. I was like, come on, guys. So <laughs> it's like. Okay, yes, I'm the goody two shoes, I'm the square. So the, so then that begs the question, can somebody who's lawful good in alignment in real life actually ever play an alignment outside of that or would it just break them? Oh, sure. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've I've played some fairly bad people as a GM in particular. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's actually something we've talked about before. Uh certainly from a theological perspective, none of us are free of those particular no. impulses. <laughs> right. And sometimes right. Dragging them out into the light and giving them spotlight time and really looking, taking a good hard look at them can be helpful. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself under this particular bus since we've gone here. Um, one of the things that, that Grant has mentioned and that has come up in our gaming before that always makes me a little uneasy when I kind of stop and realize that it's there is I definitely have a streak of viciousness in me, especially when I feel like it's justified. Grant could probably furnish you with more examples than I can because he kind of reeled back at least once or twice at some of the stuff that I came up with. And that's something that I kind of, I don't know what kind of music you listen to, Kyle, but there's um there's a song by Skillet called uh, Monster that kind of resonates oh, with yeah. me. Oh, yeah. I can definitely relate to that particular song. Yeah. And that's one of the th reasons that I think Peter and I like role-playing games so much is it gives us a chance to explore those other little parts of ourselves. Or even just expose them for that matter. You know, it's like, this is yeah. here. That's a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah. And by giving them kind of a life of their own, you know, we've, I kind of pity people in a way who only live one life. Mm. And and that sounds very trite, like, you know, Instagram starry <laughs> field with, you know, funky text on it, meme fodder. But it is one of the th those things where, I've got a lot of different people that I have created in my head and I'm really happy to have met and known all of them. And you know, it's the same with reading. There are a lot of characters that I have gotten to know through reading books mm. and those influence me because they are people whose lives I've gotten into just a little bit. It's one of the, the reasons that role-playing games work so well for me. And it's one of the things that I think is very valuable about role-playing games. And as a, form of collaborative storytelling when you get into that with other people you get to see them explore it 
and they have some effect on you as well. And you're all kind of burying your souls a little bit when role playing really works well. You're all kind of burying your souls a little bit and saying, hey, here I am throwing off all pretense. And hey, this is this is a little part of me. Yeah. See, I've off, I've often used it as a as an opportunity to explore a character that I've always kind of wanted to be. So mm-hmm. like like I, I wanted to be more assertive. And so I created I created, uh, you know, a charlatan assassin and played that for a while. And then along the way, I started noticing my assassin while he was very um, silver tongued. He was also incredibly evil and then seeing that same thing inside of myself of like wait a second you know this is something i didn't know existed inside of me and so okay maybe there's a reason why i'm not as assertive as i perhaps think i want to be yeah because if you let some of that stuff out it brings other things with it that you'd really rather keep locked up and yeah and it was within the context of a great safe place it was a creative environment and and i was able to step away and realize okay I wasn't built that way. I'm good with that. And then explore other facets of who I am. Yep. We've got a, a good friend of the show, Jack Birkenstock, who runs the Bodana Group. Uh, we do a fundraiser for them around Christmas time every year. And he uses role-playing games through the Bodana Group for um, cognitive therapy is the term. It's a, a form of cognitive therapy for children who are sexually abused or sex abusers. Hmm. You know, he's had a lot of success with it, from what I understand, because you know he's he's writing a book on it. In fact, that I'm really hoping comes out soon because I yeah, want to get my hands too. on it. Kind of a, a using role playing games as a family activity with kids who maybe need some help, or you know, just kind of as a here's ways to use role playing games as a family thing. Mm-hmm. Some of that getting things out in the open and working through issues is very very important for children, but it's not a process that really ever stops. Well, and I think one other thing that's really nice about role-playing games, in addition to everything else that we've listed off here, is that, and this kind of goes back around to what some of what Kyle has said about art, is fictional role models can be just as useful as real ones, sometimes more so. If you look at somebody like, I'll list a couple of my favorites, Jean Valjean or... um, the version of Atticus Finch that existed in everybody's mind, at least until Ghost Out of Watchmen just came out. Um, mm-hmm. Those are, you know, those are the kinds of people that I ultimately hope I can eventually grow up and become. You know, these these really decent um, people with a lot of moral courage and a lot of compassion and, you know, just kind of a, a desire to do what is right, regardless of what the consequences are. I'm not there yet. God himself only knows if I'll ever get there, but that's that's kind of the goalpost that I like aiming towards. Yep, I get a lot of the same from Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. Mm. Well, you see, you know what you do with that, Peter, and how to really inspire yourself is um, you have a child and you name your child after said characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's already too late for that, my, I'm afraid. <laughs> my new son is named Ender Hoban Hilo Rudge, so oh, Ender's boy. Game... Firefly and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yep. Wow. I have a very loving wife. <laughs> yeah, well, she, hey, she wrote the article about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I get the impression that she probably helped you with this, actually. Yeah, well, and she, we had we had a female name all ready to go, and that one was good, but uh, no, the male one was what we were, we were definitely, uh, we were both on board with. We knew exactly what we were going to do. Nice. Well, on that note, I think we should probably wrap this up, unfortunately. 
Kyle, it's been really good having you yeah, on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, before we go, can I can I do the can I do a quick Kickstarter? Plug? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. In fact, I, I should have done it at the top of the show, but yes, please go ahead. Okay. Uh basically I know that there's only a few days left in our Kickstarter, and what we're doing is we're just raising money for the print magazine. So it's an opportunity for you to subscribe to it at a cheaper rate, uh, to get back issues if you want. Uh, to get all of the amazing art that's involved. And what we want to do is we want to essentially pay our writers and artists. Uh, our first issue, it was all done by volunteers, by very gracious people, but we really want to know that a worker is worth the wage. And so that's what we're raising money for. It's not really for us. It's for the artists involved. And so check out kickstarter.com. Look for Area of Effect. You'll see us there. And uh, we'd love to just see some new people, even just shoot us a message and say, hey, this is really cool. I'm going to check out your site and start reading it. That works And uh, folks, just so you know, I uh, I have already backed this. Um, it looks like a really amazing product. Please go take a look. We will link it in the show notes. Yes, we will. And where can they find Geekdom House? Geekdomhouse.com is where it is. If you're in Winnipeg, look us up on our address and then just stop by the office because you'll really appreciate it because we have really nice offices. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you, do you guys have any social media presence that oh, ab- people follow? Why do I always forget this? <laughs> Absolutely. Like us on Facebook and we do our Twitter as well, too. So it's all... Every- Everything is branded Geekdom House. And so, yeah, just look for it there. You can't miss it. Awesome. All right. Well, Kyle, any last words for anybody else who is listening and is curious about Geekdom House or anything else you guys have done? You know what? Uh, If you don't find it on the website, you can always just email us uh, or anything like that. But really, what I would love is just to people know that, you know, God made you with your passions. And there's a reason for why he did it. Just go and figure out what it is. That'd be the last thought I'd give you. Kyle, thank you again for joining us, and from all of us here at Saving the Game and Geekdom House, have a good one, take it easy, and we'll catch you next time. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.